Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to Talk is Cheap for New York Giants podcast on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined by Dan Duggan, James Cratch. They cover the Giants for NJ Events Media. And we're having a podcast here, one I think that I think we all thought one day down the line we would have. I just didn't think it would be the end of November 2017. Eli Manning has been benched by the Giants. His tenure with the Giants is effectively over. The Giants are a tire fire. They're getting ripped by every ex-player, every ex-Eli Manning teammate. Uh, it is a, I, I just, my head is still spinning, Jays. We're doing this podcast on a Wednesday morning. This all went down Tuesday afternoon. The Giants, of course, course last played Thursday night, a little less than a week ago, Thanksgiving night in D.C. against the Redskins. Bad game, uninspiring game, but I had no thought all would be our next conversation. James, I, I'll just start us off by saying I think the Giants embarrassed themselves here. I think this organization is I called them rudderless about a month ago. They're worse than that now. Outside the Browns, who are in their own category, I feel like the Giants have become the biggest laughing stock in the NFL. And now they take the one guy everyone has respect for, and they basically throw him under the bus. It's just amazing how far this thing has fallen so fast. No, yesterday, Tuesday, was the breaking point. I think that the, the remarkable benefit of the doubt that the Giants organization has enjoyed from their fans and in the area for so long, uh, it's gone. I think that, and what, what really remar- what I think was kind of astounding about Tuesday and the decision was, yeah, people are ripping Ben McAdoo, they're ripping Jerry Reese. Most of the fan base, they've moved past those guys. And they are, they are going after John Mara. I think John Mara, you know, has lost all credibility as a Giants owner. With all the stuff that's gone on off the field, uh, the, the mediocrity on the field, the 41 and 50 since the last Super Bowl, and now to do this to Manning. And, you know, this it seems to be, you know, to do this on a Wednesday, this spin starts to be coming out. Oh, well, you know, Eli, we we're going to let him start, but, you know, he decided, no, to suggest that Eli Manning benched himself is insane. The Giants, you're right, Joe, they've disgraced themselves, they've embarrassed themselves. And I think that. Look, maybe there was an argument to be made that at some point you had to go find out what, what Davis Webb can do. But to go to Geno Smith now, and look, this is not Geno's fault, as we'll get into, but it just goes to show you this team that they're ready, fire, aim. They have no planning because any of us could have said weeks ago, and we did, hey, start getting Davis Webb ready to play. They clearly haven't done that yet. And for Ben Mackey to come out and be like, oh, well, you know, we got eliminated from the playoffs. Now we must do this. I mean, they knew they were going nowhere for months. So I think you're right. They've embarrassed themselves. I don't see how Mara, excuse me, I don't see how Reese and McAdoo can survive this long term. I think John Mara has a tremendous amount of work to do to rebuild a trust with the fan base. And it's just going to be weird. I mean, Eli Manning is basically, he's here, but he's not here anymore. And I think it's going to be a very, very awkward, uh, infuriating for many five weeks to end this season. 
Dan, I know you wrote about the angle of Davis Webb not having him ready compared to Geno. I think it's one thing if the Giants presented this as Davis Webb is our future, even if the fans didn't believe that. They could sell that. Like, maybe he is our future. we got to see him play. The season's over. Blah, blah, blah. The fact that Geno Smith will be the next quarterback to start a game for the Giants after Eli Manning, it's just flabbergasting that this is the, this is the way this plan was unfolded. Yeah, I mean, it's really just insulting to everyone's intelligence, insulting to Eli personally. It just, it makes no sense, and it just shows how rudderless this franchise has become. Again, I'm I'm relatively new to the Giants and, and you know, to covering the team, and they always have had this great reputation, and they just seem intent, at least the past two years, and obviously going back a little further, and just completely dis- uh, destructing that, because they just make bad decision after bad decision, and, you know, like James said, we've been talking about this for weeks, that Listen, once it went 0-5 and Odell's out for the season, you know that you're not coming back from that. No one was saying at that point you should play Davis Webb over Eli. But it would have been a lot easier to stomach if they slowly built Davis Webb up to be the number two quarterback. And then maybe he gets that garbage time drive against the uh, in the blow against the Rams. And he's at least inching towards this. And again, you don't have to pull the rug out from Eli Manning and put in Geno Smith, who, I mean, of all people, again, as James says, it's not his fault. He's done everything right since he's been here. But please, there's, the idea that they're trying to see what he can do uh, for this franchise in 2018 is just a joke. And, and it's, again, it's just a waste of everybody's time. I mean, these games are meaningless. But at least, you know, you can spin it with Davis Webb that, well, we're trying to evaluate him give us a little more information because, I mean, they're, they're going to be in position to, you know, to draft a top quarterback. I mean, there's nothing to be gained by, by playing um, Geno Smith. So they should have been getting Webb ready. And then Eli would kind of see it coming because that's the thing that shocked me is how shocked Eli was. I mean, he did not see this coming at all. And it just goes back to how terrible of a communicator Ben McAdoo is. It's not just in the press conferences. It's in the locker room. It's in the meeting rooms. He's just, he just doesn't know how to connect with his players. He, he has this, you know, what I say goes, and, and he's in his own little bubble and doesn't understand how things impact, you know, the bigger picture. And it's not just about X's and O's. You know, there's so much more that goes into, you know, coaching a football team. And to see Eli Manning standing up there fighting back tears, uh, which, you know, it was tough to watch. I mean, it, it's just, you know, I put the video up on Twitter, and, and I got tons of fans saying, I hate the Giants. I hate Eli, but this is sad. You know, people still... Um, you know, I just felt for the guy. It, there was just, there wasn't going to be an easy way to handle, you know, this eventual changing of the guard, but the Giants somehow managed to pick the worst way. And it should be a surprise based on the reputation, but it really isn't because they've been so clumsy with how they've handled pretty much everything on the PR front. Again, I'm going to say the last two years, but, you know, as, as James referenced, it goes back further than that. How do they let this happen, James? How does the, John Mara and Jerry Reese let this go the way it did? Do you th- I'm just trying to go to the decision here. Let's talk about that for a second. Then we'll get to the fallout and what happens next with the Giants and Eli's career. But just from a PR standpoint, John Mara, I remember McAdoo a few weeks ago, you guys in, in a post game, you know, he was asked about Eli and, and maybe another quarterback playing. And, and he referenced that it wouldn't just be a, a spur of the moment decision. So I can't imagine McAdoo woke up Tuesday and just said, I'm doing this. I'm not telling anybody. This had to go through other channels here, whether it be, Reese and Mara, or at least Reese, how did the group of Giants executives and owner say, you know what, screw it, this is the best way to do it? That's a great question. I mean, look, I, I think that that's like this whole idea, and I think very few people are pushing this. It's not like Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo pulled a coup on John Mara when he was at a meeting. That's not what happened. John Mara clearly signed off on this. And if they're going to use the excuse of, well, you know, we let he, we told Eli he could start the first half, and he said no. I mean, that, that's the most 
it boggles my mind that anyone in their right mind thought that was a good plan. And you know what? It almost seems like it's just it's a they knew Eli would say no, so there's their out. What I go to a dance set. The fact that John Mara has as of Wednesday morning at 10:11 a.m. when we're taping this has not addressed the fans publicly it is ridiculous. And honestly, he should have left the NFL owners meeting uh, in New York and come and he should have announced it because Ben McAdoo going up there and saying our number one goal is to win football games. But now we're going to evaluate Geno Smith was possibly, and this is saying something, the most ridiculous thing that has come out of his mouth this year. <laughs> I mean, are you trying to win football games? Or are you trying to evaluate the young players? You're clearly trying to evaluate the young players because you're two and nine. You're going nowhere. I get that. Just say it. Don't give the fans this crap of we're trying to win football games. I mean, come on. There's no way that anyone can objectively say that Geno Smith, nothing against Geno, even Davis Webb, nothing against Davis Webb, gives the Giants a better chance to win a football game on Sunday than Eli Manning. And that goes Absolutely back. no way you can say that. As far as the winning the game, that goes back to how ridiculous, as you touched on, that plan was that Eli was going to start the first half and then come out, come hell or high water to start the second half. This isn't a preseason game. You, you, and, and of course, Eli turned that plan down again. Like you said, anyone trying to spin this as Eli benched himself is just is completely out in left field. Because, again, he, like he said, I'm gonna, if I'm the starting quarterback, I'm prepared to win the game. And then you're going to tell me at halftime I'm coming out. What if the Giants are up you know, by a touchdown at halftime? You're going to take him out, even though you're saying you're trying to win the game. It's just it's so foolish. But again, you wouldn't expect anything less from this organization at this point because they just botch everything, even even the simple things. Now, this isn't a simple thing, but they seem to just botch everything lately. And that plan is just crazy. It's insulting. And I mean, I know Eli's streak makes it a little bit more complicated, but, you know, credit to him for just saying, listen, I'm not going to just run out there to, you know, to continue the streak. I mean, because, again, it's, it's ultimately, you know, meaningless. I mean, as value in, in terms of when you look at his legacy, but, you know, if he starts 216 games or 210 games or whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. So, I mean, again, credit to him. But that plan was just was just so foolish that you're going to have him start the first half. You know, again, they, they haven't looked very good in many first halves. But if they're winning, you're still going to pull them and then try to spin that it's about winning games. I mean, I, I don't know how – you know, the rest of the locker room is going to react to this. I mean, none of the, you know, real leaders were in there yesterday. I mean, if, if this team really has any leaders at this point. Um, but how do you how do you tell them that we're, we're trying to win games, but we're going to go play this guy who, you know, completely flamed out the Jets and replaced, you know, a highly respected two-time Super Bowl MVP? Um, it's, it's just a complete mess. And again, it's, it's kind, of, kind of par for the course with, you know, this administration. What I want to know, too, is, okay, so let's say that Eli had agreed to their plan. I mean, were they going to come up and be front about it? Or were we going to get to Oakland and all of a sudden Gino was going to come out in the second half and, you know, no one would have any explanation. And then McAdoo was going to pull his state secrets act after the game. Oh, it was a coaching decision, you know. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, like, what, like, again, like, do they think these things, like, you know, no, they don't think these things through. We should stop giving them the benefit of the doubt. They have botched too many of these situations. And it's just, Dan is right. Like, it's just, it's, it's mind boggling. Like, look, there's an argument to be made that this is the right thing in the grand scheme of things because Eli, you know, they need to look at Webb and they need to know what they need to do for the draft. And maybe Eli's time has come here and maybe they need to move on. That's fine. You know, all good things end badly. Otherwise they wouldn't end. But to do it this way, just, I think speaks from the incompetence from top to bottom of this organization. It is really a microcosm of what a embarrassment the Giants have become. And it speaks to me that I don't think John Mara 
anymore has a grasp on what he's doing with his own team. Because the first thought I had when this happened was, the first thought I was like, well, are they tanking? You know, do they want to lose every game the rest of the season to ensure a high pick to take the quarterback? Which we've seen before. I mean, the Colts basically did that when they said, Peyton, you might be healthy, you might not. Let's just go sit down. We're fine. And they got Andrew Luck out of the deal. I don't know. The Giants went out to L.A. a couple weeks ago. They saw Josh Rosen. They saw, saw Sam Darnold. Maybe that's in the back of their mind. Like, you know what? Screw this. Let's get the third pick at worst, and let's get one of these quarterbacks and move on here anyway. But if that's the case, how could they be doing this with Jerry Reese and John Mara? Uh, Jerry Reese and, excuse me, Ben McAdoo there? It's almost like Mara is allowing two guys in Reese and McAdoo, Dan, that we don't think will be back, or at least one won't be back, maybe both. I don't know. But, like, how could you let these guys make the decision when they might not even be here next year? Yeah, I think, you know, once we kind of get through the, you know, maybe the emotion of the Eli decision and, and, uh, and all that, because, again, as James kind of touched on, ultimately in a football sense, they have to do this. They, they've done it probably in the worst way imaginable. But it totally makes sense that, you know, I think we all believe this is going to be a one-game uh, situation where Geno starts and then Webb gets the last four games. That makes, you know, that makes sense. You know, it's, it's a cold, hard business. You need to see what you have in a young quarterback before you potentially draft one, you know, in the top three. All that makes sense. It's still, the big question for me is McAdoo and Jerry Reese, you know, obviously, depending on, you know, we have to get to the bottom of this. You know, whose idea was it initially? I, I'm inclined to believe it's McAdoo because he's made it pretty clear, and I documented this on Monday night. He's never been a huge Eli fan. It's not the type of quarterback he wants running his offense. He's never shied away from throwing Eli under the bus while he goes to great lengths, you know, to protect other players and even himself. He only, only recently started pointing the finger at himself. Never hesitate to point it at Eli, whose you know resume you know puts McAdoo to shame. Um, but so the the thing I always said was I can't see McAdoo making this move because listen, at the end of the day, he's trying to save his job. If they go two and fourteen, that looks a lot worse than six and ten and fighting and scrapping and win a couple of those NFC East games in the end of the year. So I mean, he's he's punting on these last five games. There's no other way to look at it. I mean, there's no again we, we touched on. It. There's no way you trying can to say, win, Dan. <laughs> there's no way you can say what this decision does gives him the best chance to win as many games to save his hide. So it makes you wonder if he has some sort of assurance from ownership, listen, you're going to be here. You're going to be part of this evaluation going forward. So this is what we need to do as an organization. You know, we don't know exactly the kind of chain of command and how those conversations went. Obviously we asked McAdoo and, and he's stonewalled, which is, you know, par for the course for him. Um, you know, clearly everyone's on board. There's no way. I mean, the, the notion that John Mara, again, like James said, is just like off at the meetings and, and, and Jerry and Ben got together and said, Hey, we're going to do this. And they announced it. And, and John Mara got caught with his pants down. That, that didn't happen. He obviously was involved. They, there's no way, you know, he would allow this decision to happen, you know, without him signing off on it. So we know that that much has happened. We don't know exactly how much you know he pushed for it or for something that was totally brought to him by McAdoo and, and Mara kind of shrugged his shoulders. I think the other thing to keep in mind, which you know, maybe a bit Machiavellian, but maybe it's the smartest move by Mara to say, yeah, hey, you guys make this move. We support you 100%. And then bang, January 1st, you drop the axe <laughs> on McAdoo and, and Reese. And now you bring in a new regime, which doesn't have the blood on their hands of you know running the you know, the beloved quarterback out of town because it's already been done. I mean, and McAdoo and Reese are going to have to deal with this backlash for the next five weeks. So then you bring in, let's say, Josh McDaniels and Nick Casario, and hey, Eli's already gone. He's already been marginalized. It's just a matter of do you trade him, do you cut him? They don't 
open their tenure with this, you know, this stain on them of because you know, people are going to, you know, are going to hold this against the Giants and against McAdoo and against Reese and Mara for a long time, just based on the comments I've seen. And I'm a, you know, I've gotten tweets and emails and I'm a 50 year Giants fan and this might be it for me. I mean, I think most of those people will kind of, you know, come down from the emotions of yesterday. But I, I do think that that would be kind of brilliant if they, if they really are that cunning. Let McAdoo and Reese take the fall, take all the public backlash. I mean, obviously some of it is going to get the ownership, but then you're, you're helping the next regime come in and not have to deal with this, you know, which is obviously a very ugly situation as we found out. Uh, I don't know if they're even that smart. I mean, that, that would, again, that'd be a little Machiavellian, but um, it, th- that's the biggest question though, is the fact that McAdoo and Reese are, you know, involved in this and signed off on this. What does that say about their future? And we really, we don't know. And that's what's going to be fascinating to see, uh, you know, how that part of it plays out. It's Two my favorite I'll theory add- so far. Before, James, before you go on, James, that, that theory by Dan's my favorite one so far, especially when you add in what you said a few minutes ago, James, that as of this moment, as we do this podcast, it's just been silence from John Mara. I mean, he's letting these two guys hang out in the wind. And I have seen I mean, almost everyone has ripped the Giants here, ripped McAdoo, ripped Reese, and... I mean, it's all right what they're saying. I mean, if it's not for Eli Manning, I know he's not the same player he was five, six years ago, but if it's not for Eli Manning, Ben McAdoo's not a head coach. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers, too, with Ben McAdoo. But he's not a head coach because Eli helped sign off on him becoming the head coach, taking over for Tom. And if it's not for Eli Manning, Jerry Reese doesn't have a job as a GM in the NFL. Like, this guy is one of the most overrated GMs I've ever seen in New York. He has two championships, and they're both because Eli Manning went on incredible runs in the postseason. Otherwise, he's just a 500 GM for 10 years. You know, getting out to McAdoo, like, that's what I want to know. When McAdoo got hired as the head coach, the Giants had just signed Eli to a four-year extension. I mean, did he did he tell John Mara that, hey, like, I don't think Eli can really run my offense? I mean, Eli pushed for Ben to get the job. So what the hell has happened there? I mean, I don't know how McAdoo. I mean, did, did he did he did he come out and say this? And that's why John Mara is allowing him to do this. Or did basically Ben McAdoo act like, oh, yeah, Eli, he's perfect for my offense. And all of a sudden, you know, the offensive line stunk. And all of a sudden he, he started. You know, why isn't Eli Aaron Rodgers? Now, look, I, I do think that in this sense, John Mara, if, if he does clean house, can do a, a GM search and a coaching search, and he basically can say, look, guys, let me prove how, how hands-off I will be, how I will let you guys do your job. I let these two guys bench Eli Manning and run him out of New York. That goes to show you how I will let you do what you want. And I think that there could be some truth to it, but what I come back to is that, okay, so you've done this move. He still is under contract for two years. You're still taking a cap hit. He has a no-trade clause. It, it just seems like this was not thought out at all. And now they've done it this way. The fan base is on fire. I mean, you know, the, the alumni are, are up to here. I mean, they I don't think they necessarily realize that they have so many bridges that they have to repair. And to be honest with you, I think Dan's right. You know, there is some thought of today is sure, McAdoo and Reese, do they have a future? I don't see how. They can repair this break and bring those two guys back. It just seems like it's a bridge too far now. So if if they've assured the GM and the head coach they're coming back, and no matter what happens over the final five weeks, that's what they're going to say at the end of the year, then they should move to L.A. and go play in, in the Chargers stadium because that might be the only building they can fill. Is it over, guys? Is is Eli Manning's tenure over? I mean, I saw the odds came out that I wrote about them. Uh, Vegas put some odds out for next year. The Jaguars. We'll get into Eli's future, but and where he might go next year because I don't think he's done playing, even though he's not the player he once was. Dan, is it over now? Because Ben McAdoo yesterday kind of 
threw out the notion that maybe it's not over. You know, maybe this is just for now. I'm under the impression Eli Manning will never start a game for the Giants again. I, I just don't know how you come back from what they did yesterday. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I, the way I would say it, you, you can't unbench a quarterback with Eli Manning's credentials. You know, this isn't some guy who it's, you know, Trevor Simeon, who maybe next year the Broncos can you know let him compete and win the job. And not, not Eli Manning, not what he's meant. Uh, not what he's accomplished. I mean, it doesn't even really matter to me if you bring in a new coach and a new GM. Maybe that's the only chance it happens. But even so, he still has to show up to work knowing that John Mara and Steve Tisch signed off on this as well. So he still has to, uh, you know, have some hard feelings there. And and I, I just, like I said, I just don't feel like you can, the word I'll use is unbench. I mean, once you make this decision, I mean, Ben McAdoo started talking and it's funny because he's so tight lipped and when he slips up it's amazing when he starts talking about quarterbacks not getting the uh, opportunity to decide when they move on it's like wait a second you're you're telling us like after you just said all this stuff about you know it's about the future and 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 it doesn't mean the end of Eli and then you're telling us that you know it's it's you know he's not speaking about Eli specifically but saying Hall of Fame quarterbacks don't always get to choose when they move on and he quickly caught himself I'm not saying we're moving on well well Yes, yes, you are, Ben. That's exactly what you started to say. You caught yourself. Um, but I think the thing is, I mean, you, the question was asked, you know, kind of point blank again to McAdoo, like, forget exactly how it was worded, but just something about, you know, could Eli be the starting quarterback in 2018? And he said, time will tell. I mean, that's not a yes. Uh, and then and I, I felt kind of bad. I had to ask Eli, you know, sometimes, yeah, you got to ask the question. I mean, I shouldn't say I felt bad, but you know, the guy's hurting and he doesn't, it's the last thing he wants to get asked. But again, it's, it's news. You got to ask it. I said, because it's hanging out there. Do you think this is, you know, you've started your last game for the Giants? And he, you know, repeated, I don't know, twice, and then just said, you know, taking a week at a time. Um, but again, the fact that he didn't say, uh, no, I'll definitely, I know I'll be back next year. I mean, because he, he knows the reality. He's seen his brother go through it. He's seen every, you know, plenty of guys go through it. Once this decision is made, there's no going back on it. It's, it's irreversible. Uh, and, and just his situation, he's going to be 37. His play has declined. He has a $5 million roster bonus due the third day of the league year in, in 2018. There's a there's so many factors that it's just, there's no way that they're going to, you know, try to sp- smooth things over. It's not even worth it. Just let him go. I mean, at this point, um, you know, again, I, I don't even, I mean, he has the no trade clause. He has all the leverage in the world. Uh, I would think that they end up just having to cut him because uh, if I'm the Jaguars, I say, well, we're not going to give anything up for him. We'll just make him force your hand. And that, and that way we can, you know, come to a different contract, not to take those huge capits, you know, whatever it may be. I think that's, that's how it ends. I, I just really struggle to see any scenario, uh, you know, where he's back uh, with the Giants next season. James, yeah, when I, you, I want to talk about Eli's reaction yesterday, what you guys okay. thought. I know Dan, you were at the locker, the video. Um, how did you think, Eli handle all this because it was obviously a day that came much quicker than than we anticipated and I'm sure Eli anticipated and I'm sure everyone there outside of maybe Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese anticipated what did you make of just that that surreal scene yesterday at the Giants facility I mean it was the end of an era I mean I thought Eli reacted you know you could tell that this this means something to him you know Eli is a guy who has never shown a lot of emotion in his career and he's been knocked for that sometimes you know because people want the fiery you know quarterback leader you know and he's never been that guy that you know a guy like Tom Brady is but I mean he wanted to be a giant for life and Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese took that away from him and I think that it's fitting that he kind of reacted you know getting emotional the way when Tom Coughlin left I mean Look, the bottom line is this. Giants fans will look at it and say that Eli Manning and Tom Coughlin have taken a fall before Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo, and that's not right. 
And I think that it's hard to kind of disagree with the fans for feeling that way. You know, the Giants, this has not gone well the past six years. And people keep on being pushed aside. You know, Kevin Gilbride, Perry Fuel, Tom Coughlin, now Eli Manning. And there's a lot of people, Giants fans and people around the Giants, who feel that Jerry Reese is to blame for this all. And yet he still has a job. And I, I think that that's what you kind of saw. This is a guy who's a giant, and it was taken away from him on Tuesday. And I don't know what the future necessarily holds for him. I, I've always felt, I've said this on the podcast, I thought Eli would be a giant until he retired, just because I didn't think Eli ever wanted to play for another team. He said that. And I didn't think the Giants would ever put the screws to him like they have. But, you know, uncharted waters, two and nine, things change. So... My guess is that if Eli wants to play, he's look, he's not going to play here. I mean, it would take some ridiculous scenario for him to stay here. I mean, I, I think it's shot because, as Dan said, John Mara can't, can't claim that he's not responsible for this. I mean, there's blood on his hands, too. Not like he can claim that, you know, Ben and Jerry pulled one over on me, and I'm so sorry. You know, I mean... You're not going to rehire Ernie Acorsi as the general manager. You're not going to go let a 37-year-old Eli Manning handpick a head coach. So, yeah, I think Eli's moving on, and Dan's right. He's got the Giants. I mean, the $5 million roster bonus, uh, the no-trade clause. Uh, these Giants fans who are like, oh, we're going to get some for Eli. You're not getting anything for Eli. You're going to be forced to cut Eli, and then he's going to go choose his team where he wants to play, if he wants to play. And I think the way he at reacted on Tuesday, I don't think Eli is going to go quietly into the night here. No, I agree. Too much of a competitor to just walk away this way. Dan, let's talk for a few minutes about what's next for Eli, and then we'll circle back to what's next for this Giants organization that's just in a, me- a mess right now. Then the team that keeps coming up, it's a natural fit. It makes it makes almost too much sense not to happen. Uh, is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tom Coughlin's there. They're a good team with a great defense, and they're just missing a quarterback, and it'll probably haunt them when they get to the playoffs and maybe lose in the first round this year. Is that the spot? When when you think of where Eli might land next year, is, is Jacksonville kind of where your head's at? And by the way, they play the Giants next year, which is just it's just going to be great theater <laughs> if, if that happens. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to that in one second. I just want to go back to that, that last topic about the, you know, the Eli's reaction. I mean, it was... It was, like I said, it was tough to see a lot of fans were saying that. I will say, I feel like a, a little bit the reaction has been a little overblown. I mean, you know, he got benched. He didn't, you know, he's, he didn't get diagnosed with, the, you know, uh, you know, a life-threatening illness or anything like that. He's still going to collect his 13 million or whatever it is this year. So I think we need to at least keep that somewhat in perspective. I know it's just easy to kind of get swept away. And, and I mean, seeing his former teammates react, you would think that, you know, the, the Giants like literally put a knife in his back. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's tough to see, like James said, it's an end of an era. But I just think you need to at least have to keep that in perspective that, I mean, you know, Eli Manning is, is going to be okay. I understand that it, it's sad for fans to, to see what happened to him and, and see how it happened probably more than anything. Um, but I just feel like it's been a little over the top because, I mean, again, everyone knew this day was coming. And if you just look at it um, from a cold, pragmatic sense, it, it had to happen. So, um, you know, like guys really don't get to choose what terms they go out on, as McAdoo said. Um, so I, I just want to throw that in there. But as far as, you know, what's next for Eli, I mean, the Jaguars are like a, a blinking red light. I mean, it's just so obvious uh, that that would be um, the logical destination for him. You have the Tom Coughlin connection. You have a Super Bowl caliber defense. You have a great young running back, some good young wide receivers. Uh, it's just such a ready-made fit for for a veteran quarterback. You know, a team that's going to need 
a new quarterback to get them over the hump. One thing I'll say is, had Eli and the Jaguars and everyone known this is how the season was going to unfold, uh, it would have been nice to maybe have some talks around the trade deadline. Um, you know, because again, I think that we all dismissed that at the time because it just didn't see the Giants ever doing this, uh, at least not so soon. So I'm sure the Jaguars would have loved to have, uh, you know, maybe had a realistic opportunity to to pick up Eli for a run this year because I mean they're they're right there, um, you know, with the chance with that defense that they have, but. Uh, I think that's the hands down favorite. It just makes you know so much sense. Uh, the other thing that kind of stands out is Denver. Um, obviously, it worked for one Manning brother already, um, so I could see that. You know, I'm sure Peyton would have some good memories to pass along to Eli. That experience. That's another team that you know desperately needs a quarterback. Maybe not. Um, you know, as they've kind of fallen apart here, maybe not as as you know ready to contend as the Jaguars. But I, I don't think that team is is as bad as things have really spiraled. And I think a lot of their problems have been with the quarterback position. Uh, I mean, there's other teams that, you know, will, will become more realistic or less realistic as time goes on. I mean, the, the really interesting one to me is maybe the Redskins. And, that, and then we'll kind of find out uh, just how vindictive maybe Eli is or how hurt he is by this. Because if you go play for the Redskins, that would that would sting. But if, if Kirk Cousins leaves, hey, I mean, the Redskins, you know, be in the market for a quarterback. So that would be, uh, would be pretty interesting. And the, another option, too, is just retirement. I mean... He's made a ton of money. The, uh, the difference with him than a lot of aging stars is he's got two Super Bowl rings. He doesn't need to go to Jacksonville to chase, you know, an elusive ring. He's already got the two. I mean, his legacy is is cemented. Sure, three would be great. And, and I, I don't think he will retire because I think he does, you know, still want to play, still feel like he's capable of playing. And I'm sure he's going to have a little motivation to prove the Giants wrong rather than just kind of, you know, walking off and saying, hey, they were right. I can't play anymore. So I don't think that will happen. But I just think it's at least in play because, I mean, maybe he just says, listen, you know, I got my family all settled here. Uh, I've had a great career. Like I said, I made a ton of money. Do I really want to go kind of start fresh with some, you know, new franchise and, and, you know, just spend my last couple of years in Jacksonville? I don't know. I mean, that, that might not be the most appealing thing to him. You know, he doesn't reveal, you know, a lot of those types of feelings. So we're all just kind of guessing. Uh, but I, I think Jacksonville uh, makes a ton of sense. And, and that would be, you know, if I was putting odds on it, I think we'll be seeing Eli, uh, you know, come to uh, MetLife Stadium, if it's in New Jersey, come to play the Giants uh, next season, which will be <laughs> absolutely fascinating. James, Speaking I think of- you, t- you tweeted about that this morning, the idea of, I think if the game is in New York next year, it Jacksonville is. at MetLife Stadium. Like, could you imagine that scene? Tom Coughlin up in the skybox somewhere, up in one of the boots, and you have Eli Manning against the Giants, and, and who knows who's on the sideline or the opposing quarterback is, but that... Like that would just be an, an, a surreal scene, I think, for Giants fans in that building. It, it would be insane. And you know what? Dan said he's settled here. You know, he has a home in the Hamptons, a, a home in Union County. I'm just going to throw it out there. You know, the Jets have not had the season anyone expected them to have. They're not necessarily going to be picking that high. We don't know who's going to declare for the draft. Why not the Jets? Why? I mean, if Eli really wants to stick it to the Giants, I mean, the Redskins are a dysfunctional organization. Uh, I could see him not wanting to go there. But look, if you think the Jets are, are a little bit less, you know, and that, you know, Woody's brother, you know, Chris Johnson seems to be doing a good job. And McCagnan, you know, Bowles is going to be there. You know, he goes to the Jets on a short term deal. The Jets have some cap space. Maybe they add a player or two. You know, he could be a Jet. Doesn't have to move. He's actually probably closer with his commute from where he lives, getting to Florham Park. I mean, I wouldn't rule the Jets out either. And I think the Jets, you know, for the first time in forever, uh, the Jets are not the embarrassing, you know, NFL team in, in this area. And they could really stick it to the Giants by signing Eli Manning and, and treating him well in the final years of his career. So I, I wouldn't rule the Jets out either. 
No, I, I wouldn't either, James. I mean, look, the Jets, I know maybe they've changed a little bit now with McCagnan uh, kind of taking a long-term approach to things. But this is the same team that brought in Brett Favre at the end of his career and tried to kind of go for it, um, you know, with a team that had some talent. It, it's not crazy. I mean, the Jets have they've, – they've gone down that route before trying to bring in a big name and, and do something out of nowhere. I, I could see that one. So, you I'm know, Eli's you career – yeah, because I mean, they've been competitive this year. And if you add some pieces and, and the quarterback's not there, who knows? Boy, that'd be something if Eli Manning went to the Jets and won a lot of games and and the Giants stunk it up. So Eli's career, we'll see. I think we all think it's probably going to be somewhere else, if not retirement somewhere else next year. But now the Giants, Dan, is they have to like we've been saying this in, in a lot of different ways for the past five or six weeks that it just feels like it's incredible how much season is still left considering how early this season was for all intents and purposes over. I'll use the same sentiment, Dan, on this story. Like if this was week 16 or week 17, I'd say, all right, this is bad. This is awkward. It's one game of Davis Webb or a half of Geno Smith. And, and then they go to the off season. They have five games left. <laughs> what? I mean, first of all, how do you think this team is going to respond to this? I, I, I mean, I know his ex-teammates have been in support of Eli. I, I don't even – I can't even have a sense of what the team feels, especially because they don't seem to like McAdoo anyway, <laughs> of them benching their leader. I have no idea what to expect from them uh, from a an effort and performance standpoint on Sunday against the Raiders. No idea. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll say this. It wasn't – like I said, it wasn't very many of like, the veterans in the locker room yesterday. Tuesday is kind of a weird day where guys can you know scoot out of there right after the walkthrough ends, so there's not a lot of guys hanging around. Uh, so the young guys, they don't, they don't know. They, they just really don't have any concept of what's going on. They, you know, to them, it's like, oh, they changed the quarterback. Like, okay, I still got to go out and play hard. Like, they don't really grasp the big picture. It'll be much, much more interesting to find out uh, or hear from guys like Zach Diossi or Jonathan Casillas or Justin Pugh, those types of guys who have been around understand what Eli means to the franchise, understand what it means to move on from a franchise quarterback, all these types of things. Those are the guys it'll be interesting to hear from. But with the way this team has been so dysfunctional, I don't I, I don't expect anything uh, really earth-shattering to come out of them. The, these guys have put on the blinders to so much stuff. I mean, we've, you know, we've killed them for not having any leaders uh, all season. I mean, you got Damon Harrison getting in beefs with Carl Banks uh, on Twitter last night. Just These guys are just kind of so clueless. And I'm not expecting any, you know, I think they're going to take it in stride because they just don't know any better. I mean, you had... JPP cackling in the background while Eli's pouring his heart out yesterday. These guys just seem to have, have no perspective. I mean, one thing that stood out to me is, you know, these guys Instagram or tweet anytime, I don't know, their favorite song comes on or they wake up in the morning, they have to tweet about it. Nobody said anything about Eli today. I mean, I think Brandon Marshall, again, who's a veteran guy who's been around who understands things, is the only player I've seen put anything on social media, at least acknowledging, uh, you know, just how big of a thing this was. And he said something like, I wish I had been better for you to Eli. Uh, nobody else. I mean, these guys are, they're tweeting and Instagramming them getting, you know, free gear from some sponsor, but not an acknowledgement of, you know, what just happened, which was a, you know, franchise altering move uh, yesterday, which again, I just think just shows a lot of these guys are immature and and obviously self-involved because you contrast that with the guys who won Super Bowls with Eli and really went through the battles with them. You know, they're pouring their hearts out. I mean, these guys, some of these guys, you know, David Deal, Sean O'Hara, they collect checks from the Giants and they're crushing the organization and not even just Ben McAdoo. They're crushing all the way up to John Merritt, which I at least I, it's a little bit of a conflict of interest, I guess, but I tip my cap for them not holding back, um, you know, and, and not fearing that they could maybe lose their, their cushy gig, you know, working for the Giants because uh, they're just saying what they feel. So I think that is what kind of speaks volumes to me is just the disconnect with the, the former players who, you know, once who bowls Eli understand his value. This current team is just such a joke that, 
Uh, I, they, they, I don't trust them to have a, you know, a proper reaction. I think they'll all just say, Hey, you know, it's, it's Ben's decision. Got to do what I got to do. I mean, they got guys who, you know, weren't trying, you know, long before anything happened with Eli Manning. So I don't think we can expect the effort to really be much different against the Raiders. Uh, I think it'll just kind of be more of the same. What I think is going to be very interesting to see is those former players to so these guys look, the giants love to trot these guys out. And, and bump, you know, thump their chest about Giants pride and everything. Do these guys tell the Giants to go shove it and go away? Because I think that, I mean, that, I mean that's something. I mean, we we've seen this happen with the Yankees, where where people are not happy. I mean, Yogi wasn't associated with the Yankees for like twenty years because of what George did to him. I mean, is this that sort of moment where people, maybe not necessarily Eli, but Eli's former teammates, say to hell with the Giants? And, 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 you know, there's a lot of, you know, scar. I mean, look, this is sports, and, and in many ways it's an escape, and these guys have made a ton of money playing a kid's game. But scars can last a long time. And I just wonder if, if this was so, a, such a seismic occurrence that you're going to see some of these former Giants, guys who were always around, pull away from the franchise because of the way they treated Eli. It almost feels like, in a, in a way, like Eli – it just embodies everything that these guys felt about the Giants organization. And now they see him treated this way and they just don't want to maybe associate with the Giants anymore. I mean, I, th- I think that that might be the initial thing. I think cooler heads will prevail. prevail. I mean, I'm sure a bunch of these guys were irate when Coughlin got pushed out the door and, and they still came around. And I think you know, Eli will probably handle this well. And I think that over time, uh, you know, some of these feelings will, will definitely dissipate. And, and again, I think guys will realize, hey, if I'm collecting a check from the Giants, you know, I'm not going to let uh, the grudge, you know, get too carried away. Um, I think once once kind of the, the shock of it all kind of dies down, I, I, I don't think it'll be. You know, because at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's just a football decision. They didn't, you know, literally, you know, put Eli out to pasture. Um, and I, I, when I was covering Rutgers, there was, you know, they fired the really popular athletic director, Tim Pernetti, after the Mike Rice thing. And, and tons of former players were outraged and said, you know, they didn't, you know, never anything to do with the program again. And, you know, they all pretty much came back. So uh, I don't, I don't think this will have long-term effects like that, but I definitely think, um, you know, in the, in, in the short term here, uh, it's it's going to be kind of awkward for the Giants to deal with it, and and maybe you won't see quite as much of that, you know, alumni pride, and you know, on the sidelines or however else they kind of trot these guys out. But I would think by next year, you're probably going to have a new coach, a new GM, which will uh, kind of help you know move away from this kind of dark time. And uh, I would assume that you know these wounds will heal uh, over time. So moving forward now, let let's take it from the Giants' perspective to end this. Just logistically, as this season comes down the stretch, James, I saw some of your tweets about the way the Giants might have to handle things in terms of the depth chart, in terms of who dresses, who doesn't. Geno Smith starts on Sunday. Is Eli Manning going to be his backup and has to come in the game? Like, let's just say Geno Smith gets his bell rung, and he's a concussion protocol, which obviously the NFL takes more seriously now. You can't just leave a quarterback in there after he gets a big hit to the head. Is Eli going to have to come in the game? And then let's look forward to it when Davis Webb starts. Does Geno back him? Does Eli dress? Like, what does this look like for the next five weeks? I have no idea. <laughs> and it just goes back to the whole thing that I just don't think that these guys think anything through. They don't uh, have any idea either, I bet. They, they don't have any idea. I mean, go along. It's all like, oh, I didn't say he's going to be active. I mean, look, let me put it this way. If Geno Smith gets hurt and Ben McAdoo has to turn to Eli Manning, that's a he's he's got some stones on him to say, hey, Eli, go in there. And what happens if what happens if Eli leads a comeback and they beat the Raiders? I mean, this is just I don't see how how they can actually maybe it's Ben just talking nonsense, but 
I don't see how you can have Eli be the backup. It's it's mind boggling. What are they going to have Eli run a scout team the rest of the season now? Oh gosh. I mean this 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 is just like look. I get, and I I honestly think that if you had gone to Eli and said, look, we got to we got to play Davis, Eli probably would have gotten that, and maybe Eli would have said, I will I will stand behind Davis as a backup. But I mean this is just it, it's look. It's not Gino's fault. Gino is in a really bad spot. Because he's getting an opportunity, which I'm sure he is happy for, but it's going to be a quick opportunity. And he's only getting it because this team was so incompetent and did not get Davis Webb ready weeks ago when they should have. So, hey, you know what? I mean, maybe maybe Eli will go in as a backup. I have a very hard time imagining how the Giants could put Eli Manning back on the field. And even if they want to say, oh, we're going to give him a swan song you know, at the end of the game against the Redskins in Week 17. Uh, I bet you he says no. So, look, the Giants, if that's their plan, they better hope that Eli is going to be the professional that he's always been. Because if I were Eli Manning and they told me, hey, or if Geno throws four picks in the first half, hey, get in there. I would tell Ben, no, you've got to evaluate. Remember, bud? <laughs> so, uh, James, uh, Dan, off of what James just said, there's a chance here, depending on how they structure this, that this whole thing gets more embarrassing between now and the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually writing something right now. You guys are stealing my thunder. I'll have to post it before I post the podcast. But that's the nightmare scenario. That's the most embarrassing scenario imaginable. That Geno Smith rolls his ankle in the in the third quarter with the Giants down 31 to three, and Eli Manning has to trudge out onto the field in the black hole to, to finish, you know, the mess someone else created. And that, I mean, I just, I can't. I mean, you keep thinking everything can't get worse this season. I can't imagine a more humiliating way. Uh, if you think the way they treated him yesterday was bad, that would be, uh, that would be the worst of the worst. So, uh, again, it goes back to the failure though to not get Davis Webb ready to at least be the number two quarterback. I mean, the, the idea that again you have Eli as the number two quarterback this week is, is unfathomable. And then, as James said, that that would be the ultimate indignity that he's gonna have to run the scout team offense. I mean, that you can't do that to the guy either. I mean, just he's gonna have to just hold a clipboard for the rest of the year don't dress them on game days just, just let's let's not try and carry on the charade you know any longer um and the thing that we have to kind of if you want to spin forward a little bit more now who's the quarterback in 2018 because i i fully expected they were going to ride it out with eli for one more year no matter what happened that way you draft you know josh rosen whoever let him apprentice under eli for a year and then in two years let that guy take over um, you know, even if it was going to be Davis Webb, I don't think anyone thinks Davis Webb is going to be, you know, ready, you know, to, to run the show, uh, the start of next season. But now you're, you're really at, at ground zero because, you know, for whatever they want to say about Geno Smith, there's no chance Geno Smith is going to be the starting quarterback in 2018. Because you also have to remember, as bad as this season has been, th- this is t- a team that, you know, conceivably, you know, could get back to the playoffs because they'll have all these guys, you know, who have been hurt come back. And, you know, assuming a new coach is able to get, you know, the team to buy back in, this isn't a total rebuild where you're going to just, you know, take your lumps with a rookie quarterback while you have Odell Beckham in the final year of his contract and, and guys like Vernon and, and, and Snacks and Jenkins and JPP all getting older. You're not going to just, you know, pack it in. They're not in that mode. So I have no clue, you know, talk about odds. Who's the starting quarterback for the New York Giants, you know, week one next year? I have no clue because, again, I thought it would be Eli and then the clock would really be ticking and he'd be gone 
at the start of 2019, they've clearly accelerated that clock to a point where, um, you know, now they have a, a, a huge gaping hole. Now they basically have to take a quarterback in the top three. I think if you had Eli, you maybe could have said, well, we can take something else and, and give Davis Webb another year to develop as the number two guy, you know, something like that. But and now their hands are tied. I feel like they have to take a quarterback. They might not get a chance to get one of these top two guys if they stay where they're at. Uh, so just another situation as I start to, you know, play that on my mind. They probably botched that one, too. So, uh, you know, again, no surprise. They botched it all. It, we'll end with this. Uh, here's a, a little a list I just found here of free aging quarterbacks. Let's assume they're going to take a quarterback with that top pick, whatever pick it's going to be. But a lot of times teams don't want to start that guy day one next season. So if Eli is gone and Gene was gone and they draft a quarterback, they might want one of these guys that's just a stopgap to start for a few games. Ready? Here's here's a list, guys, assuming they're not going to dive in the Breeze or Kirk Cousins area because they're going to draft a quarterback. Here's potential quarterbacks you guys might cover week one, 2018. Josh McCown, Jay Cutler, Sam Bradford, Drew Stanton, Chad Henney, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Derek Anderson, Mark Sanchez. There you go. <laughs> I think I'd take Eli over that group. Yeah, I would too. What do you think, James? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, no, I, I think it's right. I mean, who would you take? I guess maybe you take Fitz. I, I don't know. I can't imagine Josh McCown is, I mean, uh, yeah, it's just, <laughs> if it's Sam Bradford, we got to get Elliot up here. Uh, we got to bring him back into the, he's got to join a Giants beat. I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I got no answers. Uh, it's just Maybe Eli ha- it probably, you know, I, I get that, but to do it this way is just, you know, who, who that I just was like, look, I mean, they, they could, they could have done, they could have let Eli play the rest of the way because here's the thing. Like, what are we really going to learn from Davis Webb with no offensive weapons and a bad offensive line? <laughs> Nothing over the final four games. Okay, great. And, like, the worst thing happens if he, he looks great and they convince themselves he's the, the future and then he doesn't pan out. I mean, look, the Giants have only had a top-five pick, I think, like 12 times in franchise history. This is something that, amazingly, for all their issues over the years, they don't get a lot. So I just feel like, you know, if you're gonna if you're really going to go out there with Josh McCown or Brian Fitzpatrick starting the first, you know, 10, 12 games next season before you turn it over to, to the, the – a draft pick if, if you decide not to go with Webb. I mean, why did you just do that with Eli? I mean, why? Yeah, did I get to see it now. I can see you guys writing like which week, what week will uh, Josh Rosen take yeah. the job from Drew Stanton? Will it be <laughs> exactly. two, week three? Well, yeah, my point it, is it, like, but I mean, like, you probably could have done that with Eli. Yeah, that's what I was expecting to happen. You know, you may have even be able to tell Eli, hey, look, we're going to start Webb the last two games and then. Or, or whatever, and then we'll, we'll bring we'll bring you back. I mean, it's just like they could. It's just look. Hey, the Giants have made their bed. Eli Manning era is over. We can agree or disagree with how they did it. They did it. It's over. They're done. What's next? Because yeah, now, now they have to go lion, and now it's, yeah. it, it's it's not good. I mean, the Giants situation is is dire. I, I bet on Eli next year over. I bet on the Giants, and we'll see where this goes, guys. You have five games to cover left. It starts with. Sunday in Oakland, I have no idea what to expect. All I know is when I turn that TV on at 425, uh, and you guys will be out there, obviously, local time at around one whatever to 125. Geno Smith will be under center. Eli Manning will be at the sidelines. It's going to be surreal. Um, this has been a podcast I didn't think we'd have this year, but uh, 
it's just it happened. It's here. We're here now, and the Giants are going to have to deal with the fallout. James, appreciate it, and uh, enjoy this one. You got it, Joe. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, Joe. They're certainly giving us plenty to talk about on the podcast, so we can at least thank them for that. That's for sure. Yeah, we we don't uh, we don't lack for content here. They, they give us a lot to talk about. And for Giants fans, though, listen, we appreciate it. It's been a rough year. We get that, but appreciate you being with us throughout it. Uh, and we'll be back next week to talk about the Geno Smith era, or maybe if Davis Webb gets in the game, we'll talk about that and the fallout as well. Thanks for listening right here on NJ.com. <laughs>